Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you again for joining me. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks, and my good friend, Drew Peterson. Thank you for believing in me and supporting this. And I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in week after week after week. It's been a, a phenomenal ride. I'd also like to thank Paul Cardall, that beautiful music you're listening to. He's given me permission to play it at the beginning and end of all the all my podcasts, and and he's an amazing guy. So thank you, Paul. And uh, I also want to thank all my guests in the past who have been on this show. That's why this has been successful, because of the amazing people that uh, have been on here and been willing to be vulnerable in sharing their story. And, and today's no different. I have my good friend today, Zach Sorensen. Thank you for joining us, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, I've known Zach for a few years now, and we have some mutual friends, obviously. And um, I got to know Zach a few years ago, and uh, he's he's one of the greatest guys I've ever met. He's um, what I think you and I are a lot alike in the way that we um, think and believe and um and how we like to try to other help other people with their mindsets and things like that. And so you and I always have a lot to talk about. So a little background on Zach. First of all, he is an author of the book, The Hard 90, How to Prepare, Compete, and Progress in the Mental Game. And I can't wait to talk more about this. Um, you are currently the mental performance coach with the Atlanta Braves. You played Major League Baseball with the Cleveland Indians and the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim and right? Yeah. Okay. Did I say that right? That's right. In 1998, you were the second round draft pick out of Wichita State University, where he earned all American and all academic American honors as the member of the 1997 and 2001 U.S. national baseball teams. He captured a silver, silver medal in the international cup. And again, you're an author, speaker, and a proud husband and father and just an overall amazing guy. So thank you for taking time out of your busy day to be with us. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Yeah. So why don't you tell um, us a little bit about your, you know, upbringing, your, you know, in your family life and where you grew up? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I grew up. I've got two brothers, younger sister, who who toughened me up as we as we <laughs> made this process and went through it. And I uh, grew up here in Salt Lake. Mom and dad, awesome role models, mentors. Um, you know, we. We, we worked hard through our, our childhood, and uh, we enjoyed life, and it was a lot of fun. So very sports-oriented. Um, older brother, college football player, University of Utah. Okay. Yeah, a right lot of on. fun watching him do his thing. Younger brother played college baseball um, out, at, out at Kansas State University, which was great, and I ended up playing at Wichita State. My younger sister was the best athlete of all of us. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, by far. Um, so. <laughs> So, you know, we did, we did sports a lot and, um, you know, my parents instilled in us the, the importance of work ethic. Uh, you know, the things that you want in, in kids, my parents made a big deal. So being a good teammate, right? you know, work ethic, never being outworked. In fact, you know, quick story, I'm with, you know, I'm a young kid at the store with my mom at Target. Some people call it Target, but I think we were at Target. <laughs> and, you know, I see this t-shirt and I said, I, it says somewhere someone is practicing. And when you meet them in a head-to-head -head competition, he'll beat you. Wow. And I looked at that shirt. It made me so angry. Really? That I said, Mom, I need to buy this. You know, and I, we ended up buying that shirt. And I think I wore that thing at least four days out of the school week, you know. So <laughs> because that was yeah. where I was going to be. You know, it was it was work ethic, and here we go. Right. And you wanted to practice. And practice. This, how yeah, old were you when that? Yeah, I was a young kid. I, I mean, probably, you know, 
11, 12 years old. So, right. so it was a big deal for me. And, and, you know, I give credit to my parents for that. They taught us how to work. They taught us how to, how to chase whatever that is you want to, you want to do. And instead of just hoping that things happen in your world, you go get it. Yeah. We were just talking off air here a yeah. minute ago about how, you know, we understand that, uh, you know, 90% of the mental game, you know, it's mental, right. And right, right, changing right. our blue systems. And then we, you know, we ask our clients, hey, how much time are you spending on working on that? And sure. it's unfortunate. We hear a lot of times, not hardly at all, right? Yeah. So, and, and that's one of the things why you've been so successful in your life is because you really do have that, hey, I'm going to go earn what I need to go get, right? You put in the effort and, yeah, and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we'll get into this later, but, you know, a big part of that is is recognizing where you're struggling. Right. And not being afraid to go there. And I yeah. think if you can do that, recognize where you're you're struggling, go there and learn from it and then apply that into tomorrow's, you know, schedule of things that you're going to yeah. attack, you know, you can get to where you want to get to. And, right. and I know we'll we'll get there we'll later. Get there, yeah. But uh but that's kinda what I, I, I've learned over over time. So right. you know, and this carried me, I, I ended up playing at Wichita State University. Unbelievable experience out there. We were ranked number one in the country. Wow. College World Series. That's amazing. A lot of fun and had yeah. some great years out there and was was mentored by some amazing coaches and teammates. And what position do you play? Do yeah, you I was a shortstop. Shortstop. Shortstop, okay. yep. Uh, yep. Played short out there for, for three years and, and then drafted um, by the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable experience. Played 10 years professional baseball, parts of two years up in the big leagues. And, and it was just for me, obviously it was it was, it was was a dream that I was able to, to achieve, but for me it was just a I'm just a, a school, man. I just yeah. learned from everybody up there. And, and the higher up I got, the more I learned. Yeah. And I, I tried to kind of have that mindset of, you know what? These guys are, are pretty special. They're the elite. They're the best. Why? Yeah. Why? Is it just because they're good? And what I found out was interesting is many times, often, it wasn't that they were just the most talented. Really? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that, too. I want to jump back just a little bit. You know, you're a, you, you know, you're a very confident guy, you know, and, you know, you carry yourself very well. As a kid, were you always this confident? I mean, I know sports, I would imagine that played a part in feeling confident about you. You, We mentioned off air, too, that, uh, you know, preparation, what was it? Preparation. Yeah, confidence create, comes from preparation. Confidence comes from preparation, exactly. So sure. were you always like this? I mean, as a kid, did you always kind of have that confidence or did you have to really truly work on it? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. And, and I say that because we probably could spend the whole time just answering that question. And, <laughs> and here's why I say that, you know, <clears throat> the whole where does confidence come from question is what I get asked a lot with what I do, um, whether it be with, with, with parents of, of high school kids or, or college athletes or even at the big league level. You know, we're struggling with confidence. And I think everybody that goes through hard times is struggling with this confidence or, yeah. or what you and I call this, this belief system. Yeah. And, and so as I look back and, you know, and I, I haven't been asked that question, I look back, was I a confident young player? I think the answer is yes. Why? Because I got the results. Mm -hmm. I was successful. Yeah. So then you go up through the high school ranks. Yeah. Confident. Why? Because you were good, you know, and, and, and you were better than the other guy. Right. So yeah. you get confidence from that. I go into college baseball and I played pretty well. You know, my freshman year I was okay. Had some good teammates around me. We won. So, okay, we're on a winning team. I'm playing for the number one team in the country. Am I confident? I would say probably yes, right? And then you get to pro ball. And all right. of a sudden, guess what? They're pretty good. Yeah. 
those guys right. are really good. In fact, you know, <laughs> after I spent some time in the big leagues and I came back down, I would have people that would ask me, man, you really struggled up there. You know, you, 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 your batting average was low. You really struggled. Why? And I said, you know what I learned? And they're like, what? And I'm like, those guys are good. They're really good. Yeah. And so I think early on, my thoughts and my views, and this mimics what I think most of, of the listeners today and most of the coaches out there would say, well, where does it come from? And I think we would say confidence comes from success. Okay. And, yeah. and let me ask you, does confidence, can confidence come from success? For sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. But what happens if you don't win? Yeah. You know, so I'm out talking to a college coach and, and he, he, this is the exact conversation. You know, I said, what's going on? You know, they they were like nine and 30 and struggling and yeah. he goes, he goes, I don't We just aren't a confident team. And he goes, until we win, we will never be confident. And I'm like, well, what if you don't win for three years? Does that mean the players that come through that little gap are never going to be confident? And I'm like, we got to figure out where we can get it from other areas. Right. And so back to your initial question. Yeah, I was a confident player as a young player because I had success. Yeah. And I didn't need to go get it from other areas. But as you go into pro ball and you start, I mean, I struggled in, in the Major League Baseball, you know. Um, and then – even after baseball, when you become a dad and, and, and you go through tough times, you struggle. Yeah. And so do you have confidence to that point? You know, and I'll be honest, I've dipped and, and, and struggled with that. And then I start learning about it and studying it. You know, how can I gain confidence even when I'm not winning? Okay. And yeah, so this is where this gets exciting. That's a okay. good question. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> and so that's what I've studied. And that's what I try to give to my, my athletes, to my teammates, to my, to my children. Yeah. I was going to say, does that spill over into just an average everyday person who maybe doesn't play sports? I would imagine that it does. Yes, it does. You know, and so, you know, I, I've debated on, on how deep I get into this and we'll see, but, um, you know, vulnerability is important. Yeah. So, so why did I choose what I chose? You know, I wanted to find something I'm passionate about and I found it. Um, and the reason why I, I became a mental performance coach is because I needed more training when I was playing professional baseball. I, I needed, I was, you know, I'm out there, yeah, I'm doing well and I'm a professional athlete and everyone yeah. is like, dude, you're the best and they want your autographs after every game and it's all cool. But then the lights come on and, and they say play ball. And, and I'll be honest, there's times where I'm like, don't hit me the ball. Really? I don't want you to hit me the ball. Seriously. And it, yeah. what's interesting in the introduction to my book, I, I tell this story about this. And I had many people say, man, you took a risk telling all your readers about this situation because we yeah. put you on a pedestal because you're a professional <clears throat> baseball player. Right. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I see it completely the opposite. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, and, and interesting, the day later, another guy comes up to me that used to play pro ball. And he's like, I read the intro to your book. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go again. And he's like, I was so refreshed to read that because I thought I was the only one that didn't want them to hit the ball to me. I was thought I was the only one that was scared to death. Yeah. So I think we're all dealing with this. We really are. Sure. And and so it's important, you know, the sooner you can be vulnerable, especially with someone who can help you, the sooner you can start attacking these these things that are slowing you down. Yeah, vulnerability is the key. I, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about too is the amount of vulnerability you're willing to express will be equal to the amount of happiness you'll experience in your life. And for you to start your book off just being vulnerable right off the, right out, right off the gate, um, I, I think people, like you said, can relate with that because I think every single one of us on some level, we're struggling, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's life. 
you know, and we have our really good days, but then there's days where please don't hit me the ball. Totally. And, and that actually kind of surprised me when you said that. Yeah. Like, because again, I know you and you, you're a confident guy. You believe in what you do. Right. But it's also refreshing from my perspective just to hear you say that going, wow, here's this guy. He's in the major leagues and he's saying, don't hit me the ball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I think it's happening, like you said, more than you think. I mean, sometimes we look out there and we're like, man, I wish I had their life. Yeah. And the reality of it is, is they're going through something hard as well. Right. They are. They might just be better at covering it up or or they haven't dealt with it. Or maybe they are dealing with it. And that's why they, it looks like they're doing well. But I think it's important to understand. And, you know, one of the things I, I talk about as well is, is I get into it with some of my players and I teach them to train failure. So we'll talk about failure a little bit sometime today too. But yeah. But, you know, you will learn when, let me start this. One of my favorite little videos I share was a little clip from Kobe Bryant. And he gets asked the question, what does losing feel like to you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and if you've seen this or not. but I, I don't know. But if I were to ask you, what does losing feel like to you? I mean, you, you know, you're this superstar athlete. What does losing feel like to you? Well, you? My first thought is it sucks. I don't like losing. Right. You know, it hurts. Yeah. But there's also a part of me where um, I'm going to, you know, try even harder next time, and I'm going to do my best to maybe yeah. not make it happen. But totally. But yeah, it's kind of a motivator. Yeah. Yeah. So I go around and I ask this question: you know, yeah. What does losing feel like to you? And I get it sucks. You know, yeah. it's no fun. It's embarrassing. <laughs> you know, and it is. Yeah. And then, but here you have Kobe, who's one of the best ever, and I've enjoyed studying him. You know, recently. Sure. Um, and what does losing feel like to you? And he says it's exciting. And I'm like, no, it's not, you know, was my yeah. response. But then yeah. you, you listen to him talk about it. And he's like, that's where the answers are. Mm. So you have Love weaknesses that. that are exposed during a loss or losing or failure. Mm-hmm. And when weaknesses are exposed, that's when you have the opportunity to grow and to get better. And he goes, you, you go back, you look at your loss. He goes, the process is the same, whether you win or you lose, it's all the same. Right. And he's like, but you go back and you look and you see what you did well. You yep. see what you want to do better. And then you put a plan together on how you're going to do it. Yeah. And he's like, so we get so scared of failure and losing. And and that's what creates this lack of confidence is is the outcome. Okay. But at the end of the day, the elite, the best of the best, they almost embrace this failure stuff. Right. They push themselves to the edge because, you know what, they're going to learn. And and, and interestingly enough, oftentimes if you're pushing that, you know, you're pushing that to to the edge, you're going to do big things. Yeah. As long as you can have that mindset that I'm going to learn from this mistake. Learn from it and then keep working hard and keep pushing it and not giving up. Totally. You know, and I love that. And that's that's very well said. I'm glad you shared that. So, you know, you've obviously had success. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I hope I'm okay right on this. Yeah. Wasn't your first time at bat, didn't you hit a home run in the pros? It was not my first time oh. at bat, but it was my first hit. First hit. Yes. Yeah, so. it was a home run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I, I should have probably just stopped right there. You yeah. know, I'm good. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm out of here. But yeah, it was interesting. You know, going back, the same thing we're talking about. It took me eight, eight in my ninth at bat. I got my first major league hit. The longest eight at bats of my life. I bet. You know, it's like, let's go. Because you want to perform and you, you want to be perform, you right. Wanna, yeah. And and Every, the all pressure, the eyes are on you. All the eyes. You know, your friends and family, which you love, the support. They're all there, but they're there. I mean, yeah. their eyes are on you. Sure. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I finally uh, I got my first hit, and it was a home run down yeah. against the Diamondbacks. So right. fun. Yeah. Fun, fun. 
That's awesome. Well, so why don't you explain a little bit to what does it look like being a mental performance coach? You know, currently you are with the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. You've done this for a long time with other teams as well. What does that look like? What does that even mean? And then why is that so important? And why is that role so critical? Yeah, that, that, that that's an awesome question. And I want to tell real quick just kind of how I got into it. So um, I got done playing the game. I, I came back home. I I, I loved being home every night with the family. My kids were at the age where it was right. it was awesome, and yeah. and you know my family's my life, and 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 so um, it was it was it was definitely the right move to stop playing the game at the time. So mm-hmm. um, and have an awesome career, uh, job is, is is great, love it, but you know I just want to make a difference, and I felt like I was given this education through baseball that I could help other people. Right, and so I'm like, what does that mean? I mean. I can go out and be a hitting coach, and I that, I would love that. So, but I wasn't sure where I was going to fit in. I knew I'd get back in the game somehow, but how I'm not. I wasn't sure at the time. So I'm sitting down at a game with the. He's now the president of the Toronto Blue Jays. Good friend of mine. He was my general manager, Mark Shapiro. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he says, I want to give you some advice. All right. I was asking him, and he goes, he goes, here's what you need to do. He goes, listen to yourself talk. And you, when you listen to yourself talk, you'll figure out where your passion is. And once you find what your passion is, he goes, there's no stopping you. Right. And so I went home and I'm, I'm talking defense. I'm like, man, I love talking defense, you know, I'm hitting. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is. You know? Yeah. And then I started talking the mental game with somebody and it was very clear to me that that is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Why? Probably like I mentioned earlier, because I needed it. You know, I've struggled with, with belief system at times. Sure. I think it's impossible for a, someone who plays sport to not struggle with belief system at times, especially the game of baseball where you fail every single night. Yeah. Okay, so, and I, I needed more of that. And I felt like, you know, why did I make it to the big leagues? Because I wasn't as talented as everybody out there. Well, I think I made it because I had a little bit of a mental edge. Maybe it was the work ethic we talked about earlier. Sure, but yeah. at that level, everybody works, right? Yep. So, so what is it? Well, the reason why I felt like I didn't play longer in the big leagues is because I was beating myself up mentally. Hmm. And I didn't know what to do about it. Right. And I wanted to help these young athletes, right? Um, on the flip side, my, my son was going through some tough times, you know, uh, um, and, and he's one of my heroes in my life. And he has taught me more about life because of the battles sure. and struggles he's been in. Sure. And I thank him every day. But he's like, Dad, what do you mean thank you for what we've been through? <laughs> right. No, this has taught me. So, I love it. And, and so here I am. I have this, this double, you know, thing staring at me. And I'm like, let's go figure some things out. And so I call, you know, Mark back and I'm like, I figured it out. And I'm like, I'm going to be a mental performance coach. And he says to me, so like sports psychology, you know, he goes, that's great. And I'm like, I'm not a sports psychologist. So I have a master's in sports psychology, but I make a point about this because I think it's important. And I think it's important to all of your listeners. Okay. I don't call myself a sports psychologist. I call myself a mental performance coach. And the reason why is because I'm super particular about, I'm going to help you put place, put things into place that you're going to do about some of your concerns and issues. So when I go work with, with athletes and they hear that they're working with a sports psychologist, sometimes they are like, Oh, that's because I'm broken. Right. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Right. And that's a big part of it. Yeah. However, I also, and the reason why I call myself a coach is because I want to train you before you get to that level of struggle so that you know what to do when you get there. Yeah. Okay. 
So you don't have to hit rock bottom. I like that. How are we going to respond? Yeah. And as I sit in rooms with general managers, I'm like, okay, so here's your starting pitcher at the big league level, and he goes through three or four innings. He's cruising. He gets in the fourth, walks the guy in four pitches, and gives up a double. What's he going to do? <laughs> right. And the room goes quiet because we haven't trained it. It goes back to 90% of the game that we, we train less than 10% of the time. We don't train it. So what is he going to do in that situation? Okay, and I want you to think, you know, about – you know, the, the individuals that you get to help, yeah. when they get to that moment where it gets dark, what are they going to do about it? Right. And what my players turn to that haven't been trained in the mental game, they turn to, well, I hope I get the next guy out. <laughs> and right. I, listen, I love the word hope. But when you are competing at an elite level like a major league player, hoping that you can get the next guy out isn't going to get the next guy out. And so... You know, and some experiences that, that are close to me at home, when you get to a dark place in your life, just hoping you're going to get out of it might not be good enough. Right. And so I'm super adamant about saying I'm a coach. Yeah. I because love that. a coach is a powerful word. So just like an athlete would go to the strength coach to get stronger, yeah. or if I want to get faster, I'm going to go to the speed coach, they're going to come to me to help them with their mental game, to yeah. be more mentally tough. And we're going to, we're going to put this in action so that we can get a plan in place so when things do go tough and things do go bad because they are going to yeah we at least have something to go to i want to give them something to go to when they need something to go to right and and if we can predetermine that and have that ahead of time at least they have something to go to instead of just oh boy here we go and i hope i can get through this yeah i love that very well said and thanks for clarifying that that makes a lot of sense you know it reminded me of jim carrey once said uh Heard him say, hope is a beggar. Uh, he says, why not take a chance on faith? Why not take a chance on believing? He said, hope hope walks through the fire. Faith leaps right over it. You know, it's like, yeah. no, I am going to get this guy out. Yeah. You know, and if I don't, I'll get the next guy out. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so I love how you point that out. That's really cool. Yeah. That's so, awesome. so that's kind of how it all started. So I went and got my master's in sports psychology, and then my phone started ringing a little bit. And, uh, you know, different scenarios – I, I love working with high school kids. I love working with, you know, college programs because these individuals, these kids are passionate about it. I was a little concerned about working with pro ball. Right. Um, and my, my experience has been that it's completely the opposite. So not completely opposite, but what, I, what I'm getting at is the higher up you get in, in professional sports, from my experience, the more eager these individuals are to gain as much information as they can of having a growth mindset, right? continually learning about all of the things that we're going to teach them and then about implementing them into their game and their routines. Right. You know, so I'm working with major league players, major league pitchers, and I'm like, man, I don't know if these guys are going to buy into some of the things. What's right. their level of buy-in? And they are like, tell me everything that you've got. And they implement it. They apply wow. it. Yeah. That's nice when you have some a client who's motivated to do right whatever you're asking them to do and learning from you. So why, let me ask you this. Why are certain clients motivated and some not? They're not ready to change or they don't want to put in the work to change. Yeah. yeah they, they, when they say they want it, they're basically just saying, I wish I could change. Well, you don't really want it though. Yeah. And, and, at and the it's, end of the day. Yeah. So, so two things, exactly what you're saying. Two things that I've seen. Number one is they don't think they can. So right. belief system. Yep. And number two <laughs> is, their why's not big enough. Yeah. So as I've looked at this whole scale, why does a major league player 
why is he so willing to make an adjustment so fast where maybe a you know maybe a college player isn't quite as ready you know right well there's a big why when it comes to making the, the adjustments that need to be made to sustain a major league contract right. caliber of play i mean yeah. there's a lot of whys and and it's i'm not just talking money but money's a big one yeah you know they need to be the very best of the best at all times or there's going to be somebody else yeah so there's a why you know so quick story you know they're, they're, they're a college baseball coach was telling this to his team before the game and he's talking about a a gentleman friend of his that you know was overweight and for the last 30 years he can say yeah my, my new year's resolution is i'm gonna lose weight <laughs> and right. every year he's like I, i've tried i've tried everything i can't do it i can't do it i can't do it well unfortunately his daughter gets sick and she needs an organ transplant and he, he comes to find out he's a perfect match so he goes in sees the doc he says let's do it i would do anything for my daughter and the doc says i'm not gonna operate mm. well, why not he goes it's unhealthy to put you on the table I can't operate on you knowing that you might not make it through the surgery. And he's, right. you know, his, his response of course is, you know what? I'd rather it be me than her. And the right. doc's like, well, good for you, but I won't do it. And his next question is, well, how, how long do I have? And he says, you have six months. Wow. So what happens? He goes out and loses a hundred pounds in six months. Well, why can he lose a hundred pounds in six months now when he couldn't lose 10 last year? His why got really big. Yeah, the why was there. So I encourage yeah. my athletes and, and, and you know, non-athletes as well. You know, if you need motivation, figure out what your why is. And, wow, and you that. want high motivation, find a way to make your why big. Right. Because it is. I know it is. We all have huge whys. Sure. You just got to recognize it. I love that. Yeah. Man, that's powerful. Well, you know, speaking about equip, equipping people with the right tools and this and that, you mentioned yeah. uh, about a high school wrestler that you worked with. Share that story uh, about how that, you know, helped him and what, what tools and stuff that you worked him with. Yeah, this was super fun because, you know, I spent a couple of really good lunch appointments with my good friend Todd Sylvester and <laughs> and learned his views on on, on what we struggle with and, and how to help it. And like I said, I'm, I'm really big on, well, what can we do about it? And so I took one of your tools and I said, I'm gonna see if this works, right? <clears throat> so I get a call from from a, a dad, random, never, never met him, never heard of him. He's like, hey, I hear you work with you know athletes and this and that, um, can you come work with my son? And I'm like, sure, what's the situation? Well, he's a high school wrestler. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't know wrestling, but hey, right. this stuff, like you said, it, it, it crosses, crosses, it, it crosses lines, right? Sure. So, I uh, I walk in there and son's not in the in the living room when I get there. It's just mom and dad. And I'll tell you what, this is a wrestling family. I mean, you know, <laughs> you think about what big you know piece of art or picture you have above your mantle, and <laughs> this was not one of those. This was like wrestling jerseys and trophies. I mean, this was yeah. this was it. You could tell this is what they do. Yeah. And you know, when I walk into a home like that, I'm very curious on the dynamics of. of of the dynamics of the conversations that are being right. had around the dinner table. Sure. I think, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I get there, great parents, very supportive of their, of their wrestling boys. And, um, what's going on? What's the deal? And they're like, Oh, you know, our son, he's struggling. I'm like, well, what do you mean struggling? Well, he was a, a state champion as a freshman unbeaten. I'm like, Oh, that's big time. That is big time. And I'm like, okay, so why am I here? Right. You know? <laughs> and so they said, well, he, he got beat this year. And I said, okay, like once? And they're, right. like, <laughs> they're like, yeah, he, he lost midseason to a, a kid from up north, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, I said, all right. And uh, they're like, it really just sent him tailspinning down. And 
like, well, what do you mean? And they said, well, you know, you, his, you should see him. He's just struggling. He doesn't want to have dinner with the family anymore. His grades are going down. Wow. You know, he's quiet and disrespectful. You know, so we're starting to see some of these different scenarios. And, and I'm like, interesting, you know. And, you know, right at that point, I said, okay, well, where's he at? And so they bring him in. And right away, first thing I noticed is body language. Right. Like, He's defeated, man. Sure. He's, he's defeated, right? And he comes and sits down in the chair, doesn't, you know, really shake the hand much. And he's slouching in the chair and he doesn't want to make eye contact. Why? Because there's a sports psychologist in the room <laughs> and he's got some problems, right? Yeah. And, and so I look at him, I'm like, what's going on, man? And he's like, you know, nothing, whatever. And I said, tell me about, tell me about why I'm here, what the situation is. He goes, did you hear I lost? And I'm like, I did. I did. And then, of course, he didn't say anything else. Right. That was it. That's yeah. why I'm here. I lost. Yeah. Yeah. And I said my, my first comment to him, because, you know, I got to get their attention somehow. I got to get them to, to to look at me. And I said, have you sent that young man that beat you a card telling him thank you for what he did for you? And I he looks it. at me. And, you know, of course, there's the eyes. Got him. Right. Got him. And he looks at me and he's like, why would I do that? And I'm like, let me ask you a question. Let me ask I you a question. That. I'm like, if you were to meet this wrestler in the state championship match, okay, I said, oh, I, let me back up. I said, how did he beat you? And I'm not a wrestling guy, but he's right. like, he, he did this and he pulled this move and he right. did this and I wasn't ready. And I'm like, okay. And I said, if you were to meet him next week in the state championship match and he tried to pull that move on you, would he beat you? And he's like, never, no way. And I'm like, why not? He already did once, you know. And he's like, because I played that through my mind over and over again, and I know how to get him. I'm like, right. That's why you should have sent him a thank you card. Wow. I'm like, you are a better wrestler because you lost. Okay. And so he kind of was listening a little bit now. Right. And he's like, I never looked at it like that. Because perspective is so important with what we do. Sure. Let's change the perspective. Absolutely. And there you go. So we have our, our, our little discussion, you know, whatever it was. And at the very end, I really realized that what he's struggling with is this belief system. He, and it, it took one loss to rock his world. Right. And, and sometimes when you're the best of the best, that's what happens. All of a sudden you're not, yeah. and you can't, you can't do it. Why do first-round draft picks not do well in the NFL? or in the, Well, they've never struggled. Yeah, you know? wow. And I'm going to get back to the wrestler, but i got to throw this in sure, here. Sure, please. I'm sitting down in a, in a meeting with the general manager of the Anaheim Angels at the time, and we're having this mental game talk, and, and he goes, here's what we need. He goes, we go out and we draft players and we give them the big signing bonuses and we do a good job drafting them. Why do those players not do well in professional sports? And I'm like, well, we scout based on five tools. You know, big, strong, hit for power, hit for average, you know. Right. You know, speed, arm strength, this stuff. You know, we know, and, and they do do a great job. And I'm like, but we don't. We can't test their, their mental toughness. We can't test what, what, what I call the sixth tool, mm. which is this mental toughness, right? And he says, well, how do we test for that? How do we look at that? And I said, well, you have to define it. So I said to you, how do you define it? And he says, well, it's the ability to handle adversity. And I'm like, I love that. I'm like, but what the problem is, is the players you're taking in the first round, I'm like, these are high school kids that were the star quarterback, the best yeah. player on the baseball field. Yeah. They could dunk when they were like eight, right? <laughs> right. And they're dating like three cheerleaders yeah. at the same time, and and it's all fine. They're they're superstars, 
Right. They haven't dealt with adversity because they're the best at that level, right? Yeah. It goes back to, are they confident? Yeah, because For they've sure. never met adversity. Exactly. And then they get to pro ball, and guess what? There's other players that are good, and they fall apart because they don't know how to handle it. Right. So that's what was happening with this young wrestler. Wow. Okay, and, and so, you know, I gave him a few things to work on, but right at the very end, I said, what are the things that are bothering you? What, tell me about you as a wrestler. Why, why are you not winning? Right. And he, he lost one match. Right. And he's <laughs> like, well, I'm, I'm not strong enough. I'm not quick enough. You know, this and that. And so I wrote these things down that he said are his limitations or right. weaknesses or however you want to frame them. Right. And, and then I did what I call a reframe. Okay. I reframed them. I am strong when I, boom. And so that's how I reframe. I am quick when I. And I reframed and created these these true statements. So I created, you know, um, he he had this this bully in his head, right, that right. was overpowering him and telling him, "You're not strong. You're not quick. You're not fast." And right before the match, instead of thinking strategy or how I'm going to do this, he's thinking, "I don't know if I'm going to win." So we have these self defeating thoughts that are going yeah. through our mind, which I call negative self talk. Sure. And they're overpowering his thinking. And he goes out there, and, and, and you will do, you will become what you believe, right? Yeah. I know you believe that. Yeah. Right? And so he here he's pumping his brain. So, so I created this power statement, this champion statement, right? <laughs> and I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and it said something like, you know, I'm powerful beyond belief. I'm more stronger than you can imagine. And uh, I'm more prepared than anyone out there, and I can take anyone down. And I hand it to him. I said, I want you to read this to me. And he read the first two sentences and handed me the paperback. <laughs> And I'm like, why did you hand that back to me? Yeah. And he goes, I don't believe it. And so I said, I'm going to read it to you, and I want you just to hear it. And I, same thing, I get through like sentence number one, eyes drop, head goes down. Yeah. Why can't you hear this? He goes, because it's not true. And I said, how important is wrestling to you? And he says, it's my life. And I'm like, when's your next match? He goes, well, I got region this weekend. I got state tournament next weekend. I'm like, oh, good, we have four days to, to change this. Perfect. <laughs> And I'm like, how important is this to you? And yeah. then so here's where, you know, my, my good friend Todd Sylvester comes in. I write this down. I said, I want you to put this on your mirror. And I want you to read this out loud to yourself every day. Now, you got five days till your, your tournament. Right. I want you to read this out loud to yourself every day 100 times. 100 times a day, I said, which is, you know, that's a lot. Yeah. But you got five days. And uh, so I, I take off, I leave, all went well. He goes and does well in the, in the region tournament, gets end up getting beat in the state championship match. Mm. Okay, so, and, and I kind of, I, I mean, that's not bad. They said, he, he actually said he wrestled really well, but the guy got beat and he wouldn't, anyway. So a year later, my phone rings, same dad. Hey, is there any way you can come out and work with, you know, so-and-so? And so I hustle over to his house and um, same scenario. I'm sitting there talking to mom and dad. Yeah, he's had a good year. It's been successful, this and that. So a young man comes walking in. Wow. Body language. I mean, chest out, head up, walks really? over to me, shakes my hand with a firm handshake, right. sits on the edge of his chair, sitting up tall. And I'm like, what is going on with you? Yeah. And he's like, I've had a good year. And I'm like, so you've won? And he's like, well, yeah, but you know, I, I've had a good year. Okay. And, and so I said, anyway, we talked for a little while. And I said, what's the difference? What happened? Right. What did you do? Because I want to know. Sure. Yeah. And he says to me, he goes, you know, last year when you challenged me to, to read that you know, statement every day. He goes, I didn't do it. And when I lost in the state championship match, he goes, of course I was upset that I lost. He goes, but I was more upset that I didn't do what you told me to do. Mm. He goes, so every single day since that loss, I've read that statement to myself one time a day. 
and I believe it. Wow, that's powerful. And and so he goes out, you know, and does well in the region tournament, and then a week later, state championship tournament, and his parents send me a picture of him holding his arms up in the air as a state champion. Wow. It's just the belief system, man. It we just sure is. You just flipped it, right? Yeah. You flipped the belief system, and, and you change perspective. And when you have that change of perspective, and you can attack belief system, and you can create confidence. Yeah. Okay, you can create confidence. Then we can gain momentum. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. You know, I want to uh, talk a little bit about your book here, The Hard 90. Um, you know, you, there's certain principles that you teach and this and that, and there's a lot there. And maybe if you have one you want to just share, or, and we, and I, or I can pick one out, whatever you want to do. Okay. But I want to hear more about what's in this book, but what are some of these other things that you're teaching these, you know, these players? Yeah. And obviously, Outside of that, just people you know that come and reach out to you, yeah, that want help for sure. And and we'll see where this goes because you know we could like we've talked about we could talk for hours and 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 there's I a love, lot of things I that we enjoy. Stuff. Yeah. Um, the very first thing I talk about is process over outcome, and and here's why I talk about it. The number one thing I get asked again is confidence, right? And and if you look at there in in my 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 skills that I teach, so there's seven skills that create the skill set of mental toughness. And, and then what I focus on, though, are the drills underneath the skills. So the drills create the skill, and the skills create the skill set. Gotcha. Uh, and the drills are important because those are the things you're going to implement and apply and right. do day in and day out. So the very first one I talk about is process over outcome, and, and here's why. Yeah. Where do we get our confidence from? Everyone says it comes from outcome. It comes from did we win? Did we get a hit? Did we score mm-hmm. a goal? And the very first drill that I, I give my athletes underneath that is control what you can control. Okay, so quick story that I tell with that is all of, all of our kids play soccer. Okay, when you grow up, one of the first things you do is you go play soccer. And yeah. as a parent, and I'm going to ask you some questions here, as a parent, <laughs> what kind of player do you want? You want a player that's going to hustle. What else? You want right. a player that's going to... Yeah, who's going to score a goal? Score who's who's going to be the most active out there? Active. Right. You know, energy. Energy. Um, good teammate. Okay, so yep. this is what we want from our kids. Yeah. Okay. So how do we pull that out of them? How do we pull that out of them? So let's say your, your, your son or daughter goes out and plays a game on a Saturday, and you get stuck at work, and you can't be at the game. Yeah. You know, it breaks your heart. You hustle home after work. You get there. She's having, you know, she's crushing some lunch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what is the first question you ask her? Hey, how'd you play? How'd you play? Okay, now yeah. what does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> Just means, did you do good or did you do bad? Did you do good or did you do bad? And, yeah. and very often what that leads to is, did you win? or And then how many goals did you score? Now, the reason why you ask how many goals did you score is because in order to pull that out of them, the things we want them as a player, we say, for every goal that you score, I will give you give you something something a, i'll give you a dollar. reward i'll give you five dollars yeah. whatever it might be so then i go to my my guys and i'm explaining this to them and i said so you go out there you play really hard you hustle you know you're, you're a good teammate you're high-fiving you're, you're this you're that you're in there you're focused and you don't score a goal so you come home dad missed the game dad's like hey how many goals did you score and you're like i didn't score any goals and you're like really why not okay well too bad you don't get any money all right yeah <laughs> go get them next week yeah. So you go out there next week, dad's out of town with business, you know, and, and you go out there and you're getting after it, you're hustling and there's like an Olympic goalkeeper on the other team. Right. Right. And you, <laughs> six shots on goal because you're trying to impress dad and, yeah. and mom and you don't score. So you come home, dad's like, Hey, how many goals did you score? Did, did you win? How many goals did you score? Yeah. 
And I didn't score any. And dad's like, well, what's your problem? Right? So then I asked the question. I said, can you control if you win, yes or no? Can you control that? Let me ask you that. Can you control if you win? Yeah. Okay. So, and this is, these are hard. These are tough questions. Can yeah. you control if you win? I don't <laughs> think you can. Okay. <laughs> because I can go out there and I can play and I can give it my best and I can lose. Right? Right. Right. So the best team doesn't always win. It's just the team that played the best that day. Yeah. So you can't really control if you win. Now, let me ask you this. Can you control if you score a goal? Yes or no? In soccer. Well, based on that, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> right? Tough question. So, so <laughs> let, let, let's shift to baseball. Can I control if I get a hit in baseball? So dad comes home. How many hits you get? Zero. Why not? Yeah. Well, I lined out. I hit four line drives that all got caught. Yeah. You, I, I can't yeah. control it. Yeah. But all the questions that we are asking our kids or all the questions we're asking ourselves, mm-hmm. okay, it's the wrong question. Mm. So <laughs> when you focus on controlling things that you can't control, you actually become out of control. And I think, let me say that one more time. Yeah. When you focus on controlling things that you can't control, you become out of control. Ooh, I love that. We've all been there in our life. Yeah. And now, now for your listeners here, I want to make sure that they're thinking about that in sports terms because it makes sense, and then think about it in your life. Right. When you focus on things you can't control, whether it be relationship, whether it be this, whether it be that, whether it be does she like me, does he like me, you can't control a lot of these things. Yeah. But that's all we focus on. We try to control We it. try to control things you can't control, and as a result, you become out of control. Yeah. So then I go back to these, these, these kids you know, that I'm working with, and I'm like, let me ask you this. Go back to your soccer days. Let's say that I miss your game and I come back and I'm like, hey, how was your game today? Oh, we lost. I didn't score any goals. That's the response. How was your attitude out there on the field today? That was good. Dollar. Oh, how was your effort out there? Dollar. Yeah. How was your energy? Dollar. Did you compete? Dollar. Wow. Okay. So yeah. think about this. And then I asked them, I'm like, here's my question. Next week, can you repeat those things that I just gave you a dollar for? Your attitude, your effort, your body language, your energy, your competitiveness. Yeah. Your self-talk. Yes, I can repeat those. Why? Because they're in their control. Yeah. And now you're getting the type of athlete that you want every single day. Yeah. Okay, but we're just focused on the wrong thing, the things we yeah. can't control. Yeah, and then if, if you do happen to get three or four goals, then that's like you know gravy on top of all of that yeah. that you're controlling. Totally. And, right? And what happens, you, you will get three or four goals. Yeah. Because it's not just about the end result. So right. there's so many things in our life with what we do that, that I relate to. It's like a light switch. Right. Okay. Confidence. Well, you're either confident or you're not. The light switch is on or it's off. Okay. We could talk about perfectionism. You know, it's either I'm perfect or I'm not. And I'll be honest, that light switch is off most of the time. Yeah. You know, so all of these things, we're just not quite focusing on the right thing. So, so that's been a really big thing is control what you can control. I hit that really hard. No, I love that. You know, the next thing I'm really a big believer in, this may be, you know, one of the last ones because I'll, I'll talk about it for a minute. No, but you're good. Is, um, We've got time. I'm a really big believer in, 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 in what you would call self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And, and the term I use is, is um, being an honest self-evaluator. Okay. And that's what I talk to my athletes about. So, and it's real easy in sport, but you can apply this to anything. My, my, I have my kids do it. Right. Okay. And what was interesting is as I implemented this, I applied it. I came up with it. I applied it. I implemented it. 
And then, you know, I, go, I told you about that Kobe Bryant video, and he says it in the video. And so I'm like, yes, you know, there it is. <laughs> he does it too, okay? So yeah. after every single game, I, I challenge my athletes because what happens is we get done with the game, and then we just go back to our real world. We leave, and it's over. Right. Well, there needs to be a certain amount of time after a game where you evaluate your game. Why? Because like Kobe says, there's, there's answers there mm-hmm. that you need to gain, right. okay? And I'm a firm believer that, we are a work in progress. I really am. And I know you are as well. Sure. I take that little step further. So I have this t-shirt that says work in progress, right? But I slow down how I say it. I want to work in progress. So that's the area that I want to work in is progress. Mm. And uh, remind me to come back to, to what I was saying because I, I, this just took me a different direction. Oh, no, you're but good. But this is important. You're good. And, and this is something I wanted to talk about today. Yeah, please. So two years ago, I'm, I'm working with the Texas Rangers organization, the minor league players, and, and um, the Major League Baseball draft had just happened. So you draft a player each round or, you know, and, and they come in. And obviously the guys that get taken early get, get a huge signing bonus, right? Yeah. So these guys are, these are unbelievable players. Sure, yeah. So the top seven picks – for the Rangers were in, and I got a chance to, you know, talk to them, introduce myself, meet with them, and, and just basically offer, you know, what I do for them. And I'm talking to them, and it's awesome conversation. I mean, these guys, we gave a signing bonus anywhere from $300,000 to like $7 million. Okay, so yeah. we're talking some serious reward for being really good. Yeah. And these are mostly kids that just got out of high school. So crazy scenario. So I'm sitting down talking to them, and, and man, I'm so excited for you. This is your dream. This is what you've been working so hard for your whole life. Congratulations. You're the best player. As soon as I say the word best, what happens? Yeah, pressure. Their eyes drop. Eyes drop. Head goes down. Yep. Now let me back this up real quick. The week before, I'm sitting in a, a, a church meeting, and um, someone was given a, a talk about the topic good, better, best. Mm, yeah and you nod because you know what i'm talking about and you enjoy that talk so let me tell you if from based on that because i'm a big believer in this okay the good better best model if you are good my job as your dad or as your coach or as your mentor is to help you to become better and if you're better then i'm going to push you to be yeah best the best and i agree with that and i think we all do so here I am down there again with the Texas guys. And as soon as I say the word congratulations on being the best, what they do, they drop their eyes. They put yeah. their head down to the point where I was like, why do you drop your head when I tell you you're the best? And finally, one of them says, because I'm not. And I said, but we just gave you $7 million. You know, you're yeah. the best. And he's like, not the best. So it's not there. They don't believe yeah. that. I'm like, yeah. okay, all right, yeah. fair enough. Maybe they're just respecting who's in the clubhouse. Right, because there's a lot of players in that clubhouse. Okay, so then I'm still sitting there and I'm scratching my head because this happened to, to every one of them. And then I look back and I'm like, "What's your biggest fear about being a professional athlete?" And each one of them said the same thing to me. They said that I'm not going to be good enough. Mm. Okay, so hold on to that for a yeah. second. So I go back home and I had a chance to work with a youth group, and. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm going to play on this. I'm going to see what happens. Sure. So I have professional athletes and now I have a a youth group with through church. Right. And I'm like, all right, I got some questions for you guys. First of all, I just want you to know, I'm so excited to work. It's so much fun to be here. You're some of the best kids I've ever been around. (laughs) And what happens? Boom. Eyes Eyes go down. And I'm like, all right, I got a question. Why? (laughs) When I said that, why do your eyes drop? Yeah. And then finally, like the fourth kid, because the first three didn't say anything, but the fourth kid was like, not the best struggling 
going through some tough times. Yeah. Not the best. And I'm like, what's your biggest fear about life? What's your biggest fear about going to college? What's your biggest fear about getting married? Is it the same fear? And it came out again that I'm scared that I'm not going to be good enough. Mm. So here you have this good, better, best model. Right. Okay. Yeah. And we're not the best. I mean, they're not even saying maybe. They're like, no. And the biggest fear is that we're not going to be good enough. I think we can relate to that, all of us. Yeah, yeah. So then I sit there for a week and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, all right. I go back down to Texas and I'm like, all right, good. You know, I'm like, can you guys control if you're the best? Yes or no? And I ask him that. And some guys say yes, some say no. And I'm like, no, you can't control if you're the best because there's probably always somebody better. Right. Can you control if you're good enough? And let me ask you that question. Can you control if you're good enough? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, yeah. I look at that as doing your best. Okay. Can you just go out and did you do your best? Yeah. It's kind of like what you said about rewarding your kid for good effort, yeah. being a good teammate, right. having some energy, right? Totally. Totally. Yeah. And and so I this question's been such an interesting one because I get half yes and half no. And here's what I've come up with. You know, I agree with everything that you say, hundred percent. Yeah. But can you control if you're good enough? The tricky part about this question is it depends on who's asking the question. Because I might be good enough for this person, but not good enough for this person yeah, based true. on the same thing. Sure. So we're always trying to wonder, we're always wondering if we're going to be good enough, but it doesn't completely depend on what we do. It depends on who's asking. Yeah. So we spend our whole time worried that we're not going to be good enough, okay, and, and knowing that we're not the best, but that's where our focus is, and those are things that we can't control. We already had a big talk about this. When you focus on things that you can't control, you become out of control. Out of control, yeah. So we got to eliminate focusing on those two things. So in the good, better, best model, if you can't control being the best and you can't control being good enough, what's the other one? Yeah. Better. Better. So I asked them, I said, can you get better every single day? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And every single person I've asked. Can say yes to that. Right? With authority. <laughs> yeah. Has Eyes said, don't go down when you say right? that one. They say, yes, I can. And I said, that's what our focus is going to be right. on. Okay, so that's what one of my big focuses is on, is you're going to get better every day. But I can't just sit here and tell you that that's what you're going to focus on. I have to teach you how. So, you know, and this happens a lot in our industry. We talk about getting 1% better. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. That's still not good enough for me. I need to teach you that. So what does it mean to be 1% better? So I'm like, all right, how can I make that work? What's 1% of your day? Do you know how much time that is? Hardly any. It's 14 minutes and 24 seconds. Is that what it is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's 14 minutes and 24 seconds. And so I say to my players, my athletes, you know, you told me that mental performance in, in sport is 90% of the game. 90%. I'm not going to make you train at 90% of the time. Right. But can you invest, and I use the word invest, can you invest 1% yeah. of your day? And so to my, my individuals who maybe they're not even athletes, right, but they're struggling with whether it be addiction or whatever it might be in their life, can you invest one percent of your day into helping yourself get better based on something that you struggle with and everyone's got to say yes to that right 14 minutes and 24 because when you say one percent it's like oh well yeah 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 and so that's what my goal is with everybody one percent let's get one percent better okay so i love it um and, and and so i'll go around here's what's cool about it is you know i fly from team to team because in, in professional baseball they've got five or six different teams and and so i don't get to be with them all the time <clears throat> that just I, got me so emotional not fun why, dude. Oh. 1%. It, it, it's, it's, you know, it's compounding interest, right? Yeah. 1% better. And now, so this is all coming together. So, um, and I'll get to that. So at the end of a game, I, I'm, I'm a really big on self-evaluation. What did I do well? 
what do I want to do better and how am I going to do it? And then next to how am I going to do it, I write, what is my 1424 for tomorrow? So I build this into my routine for tomorrow, okay? So let me give you an example. I go out there and uh, let's say I'm a basketball player. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you do this because this, this is fun. Here you go. All right. Put me okay. on the spot. So Here you we just, go. You, you just played, it, you just played you know, your big basketball game last night. Yeah. Okay. You, you played well. You, know, you, guys, you guys ended up getting beat, but you had a pretty good game, this and that. What did you do well in the game? Um, I, I scored some points. I hustled. You know, I played really good defense. I shut my guy down. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. And, 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 you know, it's so hard for us to be able to do. It's so interesting to me. People can tell me what they're no good at all day long. <laughs> but I'm like, what'd you do well? And they're like, Ugh. and I'm like, you had 34 points. That's good. Yeah, you know? it's not bad. But we aren't, you know, yeah. we're so worried about looking at all the negative. Yeah. So I make them do that. I make them do it first. What'd you do well? What do you want to do better? Yeah. I, I want to be able to score better, um, be more, uh, have a better active jump shot in certain situations. I want to be able to read the defense better. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I love it. How are you going to do it? Now, the more specific you can get here, the better this is going to be. So let okay. me, l let's do this. Let me assume that you said, you know, what'd you do well? I scored 34 points and I had this and that and blah, blah, blah. Awesome. What do you want to do better? Well, you know, I'm usually a pretty good free throw shooter, but last night I, I was six for 10 and I'm better yeah, than that. I'm better than that. Yeah. So how are you going to do it? Meaning, how are you going to get better? What's my 1424? Yeah. So what are you going to do tomorrow to help with the weakness that was exposed during the game? Yeah. So I'm going to shoot some foul shots tomorrow morning for at least 14, 14 minutes 24. and 24 seconds. Absolutely. But at the same time, visualizing that I am a good, you know, free throw shooter. Cool. So, okay. yeah. so here you have a weakness in the game last yeah. night. It was exposed. Yeah. We usually get scared to death of, of exposure of weaknesses or failure. Right. right. We go hide underneath our pillow and hope that it goes away. But guess what? When you have a weakness that's exposed, it doesn't go away. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. So now it turns into, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> embrace it. it. Yeah. Okay, so I, I was six for 10 last night. My first was awesome. Now I know what I need to do tomorrow for my fourteen twenty four. So my advice to when I go work with you know, high school basketball programs, at the end of every single practice session, put 1424 up on your clock and let them do their thing. Yeah. And how cool is it as a coach to look out there and see Johnny over there dribbling, Billy shooting free throws, yeah. you know, David's over there grabbing an assistant coach because he wants to work on his, his move down low. Yeah. How awesome is that? And yeah. what's happening? We are progressing. Yeah. We are working in progress and we're getting better on the things that we don't do well. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this. When you start seeing progress in things that you don't do well, what happens to you as a person? You gain confidence. There it is. Okay. Yep. When you start seeing progress. So what are we chasing? The biggest, I think the biggest obstacle we have in, in sport, in life, in, 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 you know, I, I dabble a little bit in addiction. It's not my, my world, but I, I have some experience in it there. Yeah. The problem is it's back to the light switch. Mm -hmm. I'm either sober or I'm not. Okay, I'm either a major league all-star or I'm not. I played in the big leagues for two years, and, and there's been many times where I felt like my baseball career was a loss. It was yeah. a disappointment. Wow. Because I hit 150 in, as a major league baseball. Total disappointment. It's a light switch. I'm either the best or I suck. Yeah. We can't think that way because yeah. the light switch is going to be off all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. So instead of going there, we're chasing progress. Yeah. 
we're chasing how do I get a little bit better every single day? And that creates momentum. Yeah. So what do I say to someone who's struggling in life? I don't care where you're at. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're up here or you're down here. Yeah. Can you get a little bit better every single day? Right. And that is all I can ask. And here's what's cool about well, it is it. they can do that. For sure. And if they can buy into that, they will create momentum that's going to help them get through. And going back to what you said earlier, what happens if you have a bad day? So what? Win tomorrow. Yeah, I'll do. I'll get better tomorrow. Go get them tomorrow. Go get them tomorrow. You just push it aside, and your goal is to win the day. So, yeah. Anyway. Wow. Yeah. You know what's interesting? This fourteen twenty four. I love it. By oh. the way, one percent. That's it. You know, I do. I think we've talked about. You know, I do this hour of power every morning, yeah. and it's an hour. In my head, this whole time until you, <laughs> I'm thinking that's got to be about you know seventy percent of what I'm doing. You know, it's really based on that's that's four percent of my day. It is. Four percent of my life that day invested. I'm investing four percent, and the reason why I'm saying this is what I've calculated it. Um, that gives me over a thousand hours a year ahead of the person who's not doing. Not that I'm trying to beat the next person, or in other words, the competition, or ahead of that limiting belief that tells me I'm not good enough. I'm putting in an extra thousand hours. Awesome. Think about that for a second. Seriously, a thousand. Yeah. So that really hit me when you said that. And I, I, I'm so glad you shared that. That is powerful. And I, I, I want to emphasize again, I know we already have, but you're investing in your, yeah. in yourself. Right. And, yeah, it's and, an investment. And, and it's action. Yeah. You're, you're doing something about it. You're not yeah. just hoping that you get better by, you're not hoping 2021 is better than 2020. You are going to make it better. Okay. You're going to make it happen yeah. because you've implemented this into your routine. Yeah. Yeah. So one last thing I want to hit on just cause it's important is, is self-talk. Please. Yeah, self-talk. Please. Yeah. So again, you have the confidence cycle. Okay. Yeah. And, and I saw someone throw this out there and I liked it. So you have <laughs> self-talk. Okay. And that's what you say about yourself and your in, in, internally. Right. Self-talk leads to self-image mm-hmm. or belief system. You, you, yeah. you talk about this all day long. Yeah. Self-image is going to lead to your actions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Your actions are going to lead to your results. What do your results lead to? Your self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, it's just... Yeah. We got to find a way to break the cycle. Yeah. Okay, so let me walk you down this path real quick. So the question is, is how can you overpower your self-talk? So there's you know 40 to 50 thoughts that run through your, your mind every single minute. 40 to 50 thoughts every single minute. What percentage of them are positive or negative? I'm reading your book, and here's what I got. What yeah, got? it's, it's 80, a little over 80%. Yeah, so yeah, and so the, what, what I teach it is, and then I'm, I'm in the 70 to 80 range. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you ask your, your athletes, it's funny. When you sit down with mom and dad, they're like, oh, my son's way positive. You know, he he's has way more positive thoughts than negative. He's probably... You yeah. know, 40% negative. And then I then son's right there. I said, where are you at? And he's like, 75, negative. <laughs> and right. it's true. It happens across the board. Yeah. So, But how do you overpower negative thoughts? Well, I'm trying to think how I was taught, you know, um, don't have them. <laughs> right. right? Yeah. So how do you do it? So let me walk you through this. So you get done with a couple, you know, sessions today and you've got, got a full day and you're starving. Okay. Yeah. And you want to go to Cafe Rio because those burritos over there, man, yeah. they're yeah. unbelievable. They're awesome. So I want everyone who's listening to do this with me real quick. And this doesn't take long, but. You're going to go to Cafe Rio because you're starving. Maybe you played two games, but you are grumbling hungry, okay? You're making yeah. some noise down there, and yeah. you're ready for some food. <laughs> so 74% negative, that's important, because when you pull into the parking lot at Cafe Rio, a tour bus just got off in front of you, and they're all in line at Cafe Rio. So your 74% negative thought just went to what? 
Yeah, 90, 95% not happy. Exactly. Right. But you're going to stay because that burrito is I so that burrito. <laughs> good. Okay. So you stay in line and you, you wait and you wait and you're going through line. Then you finally get to the part where you're weaving through the line. You're weaving through it. You get over to the corner and there's a menu up on the wall. You know exactly what you want to eat, yeah. but you read everything on the menu. Right. And then you get to the corner and they're flipping the tortilla and pressing it down. And then they finally ask you what you want. And you're like, I want this to be huge. And you pick your meat and you pick your condiments and cheese. Of course, I want this. And of course, I want that. You load this up. You get over. You pay. You go sit down. You take your knife and you dive into the burrito with your knife and your fork. You get a big, huge piece of burrito and you get ready to take a bite. Now, I want you to tell me what your favorite book is that you've read in the past year and why. Go ahead. Tell me about it. Why? Uh, can't hurt me. And the reason why is the discipline that it teaches. Okay. And, and what else about this David Goggins guy do you love? Just that he's willing to do anything and everything to be successful. And in, in my world, when it comes to addiction, it's life or death. And so that's why it's, there's, that's where I have to be on that side and seeing the way he carries himself and the way he talks to himself. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, by the way. I love that. Book. Yeah. But I know we were talking about that earlier, <laughs> <laughs> but here's my question for you now. What happened to your burrito when you started talking about can't hurt me by David Goggins? What happened to it? Yeah. I forgot about it. You forgot about it. So how were you able to forget about the burrito? How? What did we do? We, we changed our focus. Okay, you changed your focus and take that deeper. What did you do though? We didn't just say, hey, let's change our focus. What did I make you do? Think of something else. Take it further. Because you have Think 40 of something that I like that's po positive. Okay. Something that means something to me. Yeah, and this is really important because that's the answer I get. I started thinking about something else. You did more than think about it. I made you... Talk about it. Talk about it. Gotcha. Because when I say think about something else, you will think about something else, but how many thoughts run through your mind every minute? 40 to 50, right? Oh, yeah. So you're going to think about something else for a minute, but then you're going to go back to your belief, okay? How do you overpower your negative thinking? You talk. Yeah. Can you control what you think, yes or no? Um, to a certain extent, yes. Yeah, tricky, um, but, tough but, question. Well, no, and, and, and again, I have negative thoughts. I, I'm someone who practices this like crazy. You and, know this. Right. But do I have negative thoughts? Yes. Yes. So can you control all your thoughts? Probably no. 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 Can you control what you say? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. and when I'm talking about one thing, I can't be thinking about something else. Right. So if you're in a, if you're in that tough time where you're having a lot of negative thoughts, how do you overpower them? Start talking. Yep. And you'll see this with athletes all the time. You'll see them take their deep breath. Deep breath is a really big deal because it allows you yeah. to relax and to focus. Two things yeah. it does for you, and that's proven through through research and science. It allows you to relax and to focus, and then yeah. you start talking to yourself. You start talking. And you can't have those negative think those yeah. negative thoughts. Mm -hmm. How do you overpower them? Talk. Yep. I love it. So when you're in a tough time, start talking. Yeah. That's why therapy works. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. I can get that well, out. Well, plus there's, there's uh, studies that have been done. It's 10 times more powerful when you say something out loud, good or bad. Yeah. But it's 10 times more powerful. So I love that. Love it. You know, talk. Talk about it. Say it. Say it. Yeah. My family's always asking me, are you talking to yourself? I'm like, yeah, actually I am, as a matter Absolutely. of fact. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is so. powerful. Anyway, those are just some of the things we start yeah. we start attacking these guys with, and we've seen some good results. And I would imagine a lot of those principles, are, if not all, are in this book that you've written. Yeah, a lot of them are, yeah. uh, along with some crazy stories on how I got to the <laughs> got to those ideas. But uh, you'll laugh a few times. But I'm sure. But uh, no, I love it. But yeah, you know, the whole idea is just 
you have to take control. So I, I had some success with one of the, the major league players this year with the Atlanta Braves. And I get a phone call afterwards from, you know, some of the, the big boys. And yeah. they're saying, what did you do to help him? And this was such an interesting question to me. And my response was, I didn't do anything to help him. Well, I provided him with some things that he could do. Right. But this is his program. Yeah. This is what Love he that. did. Yeah. Okay. So we can provide you with, with you know, a, a list of things for you to try. Will it do any good? If you implement them, we believe we can help you. Right. But this is your program for you to do whatever you want with it. You want to soar? You're going to soar. Right. You know, are you going to have hard days? Yes. But remember, we embrace those days because that's where the answers are. Right. So we get excited about failure. We get excited about making mistakes because we're supposed to make mistakes because we can learn. But at the end of the day, this is your program. Right. And you can, it, it, it's here for you. We, we get geeked out and excited when we provide it with you. Yeah. And we're here for every small victory that you can gain along the way to be right there with you. Wow. Beautifully said, man. And, you know, this book, I would imagine, is not just for athletes. This is for anybody. Yeah. I mean, honestly, these principles that you're talking about, yeah. it's for anyone. Yeah. And I love that. It's universal. Yeah. Well, um, a couple things before we wrap this up. I want to ask you, if there's someone listening to you right now who's struggling, yeah. who is in a dark spot, dark place, they feel a little hopeless, and I, I know I have a lot of listeners who either are in that mindset yeah. or they've got a family member who's really struggling. What would you tell that one person right now? I, I, I think that I would tell them that they are a work in progress and, and that we all are a work in progress. Yeah. Um, and, and the biggest thing I would have for them is, is that I don't care where you are. I don't. And I'm excited for where you are. Okay. Because mm. for you, just, just, just listening to this podcast is showing that you have belief in yourself. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's taking action that's going to get you to where you want to be. And, wow. and just getting through. I, I'm such a firm believer in going through challenges. I'm such a firm believer in obstacles. I really am. Yeah. And, and I, I am such a believer in that that I almost get jealous when people are struggling. Yeah. I really do. And I know that sounds really strange, but the reason why I get so excited because I see the other side of struggle yeah. as strength. Yeah. And and sometimes when I when I, I, I look at my life and I've lived this just all is good, right? And of course, not all, but all is good. I get jealous because I, I see the struggle and I'm like, the lessons that they can learn from the tough times they're going through give them such a great perspective and a better perspective than I have. Wow. I love that. And and I'm I'm encouraged for them. And and obviously I encourage them to to seek, you know, Todd Sylvester out yourself out or or to reach out and start to learn yeah. as much as you can. Yeah. But here's the deal. My challenge to them is to narrow their focus. Yeah. Narrow your focus. Yeah. Okay. Everybody wants to win a, a state championship. Sure. We all do. You're right? not different than <laughs> anybody else. Yeah. So how do you win a state championship? You narrow your focus. Wow. What does that mean? Your goal is to win one game at a time, right? Yes. But guess what? They're trying to win one game at a time too. Narrow your focus. 
I want to have a good at bat. We're getting there. Yeah. Narrow your focus. Yeah. I want to win this pitch. Yeah. Okay. I want to win this pitch. I want to pitch. put contact on that ball, right? What happens if you don't win this pitch? So what? Next pitch. Okay. So in, in the addiction world, we want to be sober. We want to be happy. That's way big. Mm-hmm. Narrow your focus. Narrow How are you going to do this? You're going to win your day. Yep. How are you going to How are you going to win your day? You're going to win your hour. Yeah. How are you going to win your hour? You're going to win this moment. Yeah. And when you win this moment, celebrate the crap out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Narrow your focus because how do you How do you do it? You create victory yeah. by creating small wins by narrowing your focus and just win this moment. Yeah. Just win this one. Sometimes it's hard to make it through the day. Yeah. It's too big. Narrow your focus. Wow. Beautifully said, Zach. That's amazing. If someone wants to reach out to you and they want to ask you a question, they want to get a copy of your book or they want to know more about what you do, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? So I've got a website that's kind of, it's kind of in work. It's, it's Z Sorensen. Remember I'm a baseball player. So yeah, yeah, (laughs) I'm a little slow to the party here, but, but uh, Z Sorensen.com. Okay. And you can kind of see a few things there. You'll have some, some contact info, but then, you know, social media, I'm on Z Sorensen four is where I'm at, you know, um, or, or Zach Sorensen on Facebook, but at Z Sorensen four and, and, um, you know, I, I'm climbing into this world of, of sharing. It's, yeah. it's new to me, uh, um, sharing. But but that's where they can get me. And, you know, reach out to us because personal victories for me are, are seeing other people, seeing that light come on inside yeah. of them. And yeah. so we embrace those moments where we can yeah. share some of our experience and our, and our, yeah. our, our, our knowledge or, or whatever it may be. Yeah. So, yeah, we love you reaching out to us. Yeah, please. You know, and I'm excited for you, Zach, honestly, that you're going to share more because, mm-hmm. I mean, I could we could talk for a few more hours, but I know we got places to go. But mm-hmm. thank you for being willing to come here and share, you know, just a small portion of what you do and how you do it and the way you live your life. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here just going, man, this was like, I get to do this today, this morning. This is how I get to start off this early day with you. So thank you. Yeah, for what you do. And thank you. And thank you to your listeners because you guys crushed your 1424 today if you listen to this. And yeah. and so that's victory. That's victory. a win. Yeah, that should be your next book. It should be 1424. No. I'm not kidding you. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Zach. You're amazing. And I'm so grateful that I know you. And, and thanks for taking the time to share some amazing things with us today. Thank you. You bet. There you go, listeners. I, I told you, man, this guy's awesome. Please reach out to Zach um, if you... Also, want you, know, you can ask me a question or whatever, and I can get you linked up with Zach. Please, you know, I'd like you to get your book too. Get that out to as many people as we can. But uh, thank you for tuning in. I love you guys. I believe in you. If you are struggling, know I love what Zach said. You know, narrow it down to winning the moment. I love that. And that's really applicable for people in addiction. So thank you, Zach, for giving us that insight. And so many beautiful insights today. So, guys, please take this, um, listen to this over and over again, because I guarantee you, you'll listen to this again and go, oh, yeah, what did he say here? What did he say here? Write these things down. Again, that's another way to narrow your focus. I mean, I was taking notes this whole time. I got to be totally honest. I I got all kinds of stuff that I'm like, I got to implement this. I got to work on this. And please do that. And just know that you're loved and we love you. Thanks for all your support and uh, can't wait for Zach to be back on. Take care, guys.